Now, I just want to share a little story with you just while we, you know, just while we sort of, I get warmed up and you get warmed up as well to the preach. And, um, and it's a story over Easter. I went back to my parents' house with, um, with Naomi and Reuben. And because I've still got quite a few friends back there who I grew up with, we went down the park to play football. We kind of, we think we're still 14 years old. Um, you know, an hour into it, we realised that we're not. And... Everyone's just like, should we go down the pub to have a drink? Um, but during this, this game, I took off my wedding ring and just put it... It's, it's, the, it's an end of a good story, um, so, because it's still here. I took off my wedding ring and just put it on my trainers, kind of looped it around the laces um, while I put my boots on, just so I wouldn't lose it. Little did I know that actually that was the very way I was going to lose it. So I put on my... Like later on, played football, put my trainers back on, and started walking out the park and suddenly realised, where is my wedding ring? And, and so an hour and a half later, um, there's, there's six of us. We're literally just like, you've done that thing where you all line up and you all just like have to do this. You know, we're on our hands and knees. All the, all the local, there's a few local kids there just getting us on Snapchat and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and, and we're just there and we couldn't find it. And... And then, so we're just like, right, we'll come back home, we'll, we'll have a look tomorrow. My sister went out after dinner, and within 10 minutes, she'd found it exactly where we'd been looking. And um, on telling my friends, they said, okay, well, that shows you that it takes one woman 10 minutes to do something that it takes six guys an hour and a half to do, and we still can do it, which is probably an important life lesson for us all, to be honest with you. Um, now... The reason that I share this story is that for, for a lot of us, we'll, we'll look through the, the book of Mark and we'll look through this passage, this passage that I'm going to be looking at today. And we might have read it before and we might have looked over it before. But my hope and my prayer is that actually we will, you know, we'll get some sort of hidden treasure. We'll, we'll, kind of, we'll find that little nugget, that little nugget of truth, that little piece of application that, that we can maybe put into our lives. And, you know, it's just, it's just five verses but, but actually, and, and a lot of the time, if we're doing our Bible in the year and all that sort of stuff, you might just skip through it. But actually, there is there's important truth, and this is not only the case for, for this one, but also the other ones that we'll be going through over the coming term. And so, so I'll read the passage. And so it's about um, a man with leprosy who comes to Jesus. So I'll read it. It's up on the screen. If you don't have your Bibles, it is in... So it's Mark 1, 40 to 45. So a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Can we just pray before I move on? Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the, for the time of worship. Lord, I want to thank you for... You know, for the truths that we've been singing, Lord, I want to thank you so much that you qualify us. It's not about what what we can do. And Father, I just pray that as we go into this talk, Lord, I pray that your your Spirit would talk to hearts, Lord. However, we've come this morning, 
how whatever we've been going through over the last couple of weeks, Lord, I pray that this morning your Holy Spirit would speak into hearts. Amen. Okay, so just so you, you know where we're going, um, I've got your yeah, classic three points. We've gotten for the question, the answer, and the call. Okay, so that's where we're, that's where we're going. And so we're going to start off with the question. Okay, and we start off with our story. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, if you've got a Bible like mine, you'll find a little footnote which says that when it talks about leprosy, it kind of maybe doesn't just mean leprosy itself, but actually a whole range of different skin infections and skin afflictions. And if you, were a, if you had leprosy in, in those times, actually it was a very difficult place to live. It was a very, very tricky world to be a part of, not only the physical pain of things, but also the, um, because it was a highly contagious disease, there's the whole the social stigma and the emotional pain, and they were they were kind of they were cast out. They were kept on the edges of society. They they were kept in lonely lonely places. And and I know that we all like the book of Leviticus, and it's a personal favourite. And these will be very familiar verses to you. There'll be ones which you've probably remembered. They're the ones you put on your fridge and all that sort of stuff. So. This, this is what people with leprosy would have to go through. So, anyone with a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt. I mean, I read this and I thought it sounded a bit like students, actually. Um, so, obviously none of ours. No, 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 I don't mean that. Just students in general. Um, but anyway, um, so if they had a defiling disease, they must wear torn clothes. Their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. And so, I mean, there's, there's a whole, the whole chapter is, I'm, I'm, I'm just picking you the, my personal highlights. Okay, so, in chapter 14, the person to be cleansed must wash their clothes, shave off all their hair and bathe with water. Then they will be ceremonially clean. After this, they may come into camp, but they must stay outside their tent for seven days. And on the seventh day, they must shave off all their hair. They must shave their head, their beard, their eyebrows, and the rest of their hair. They must wash their clothes and bathe themselves, and they will be clean. But that's not enough. On the eighth day, they then must bring two male lambs and one ewe lamb, each without defect. And it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. And, and I'm thinking, this, this life for someone with leprosy is, is a tricky life, isn't it? It's a tricky life. And, and you can imagine the leper coming to Jesus and, you know, coming and, and he's, he's had this whole weight of his whole life and he's coming to Jesus and he's, and he's saying, well, hold on, like, God, is it actually you? Like, are you actually, are you actually there? Like, do you, do you actually care about, about me? And I, and I find myself asking this, the same question, to be honest, and, and not just about my wedding ring. It's not just about like, oh God, you, you don't love me anymore because I've lost my wedding ring. But actually in, in daily life, I, I know there's many occasions where, where I've faced the question for myself, where I've faced the question on, almost on behalf of other people as well. And for those of you who don't know, um, I work in a school with um, students who have a lot of physical disabilities and physical conditions. Um, and partly through that, and partly through 
just life, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of things which go on, and I kind of think, God, where are you in this situation? Like, God, do you, do you even care for these people? You know, we, we heard from Tim Robertson a few, you know, maybe a couple of months ago about Rwanda. Now, I've, I've been privileged enough, as maybe a few of us have been, to, to go to Rwanda, and, you know, I've stood in a, I stood in a church where people fled to and, you know, for safety. And I've stood there and, you know, you see all their, all their bones because actually, because they fled there, actually, they knew that's where they were and so they just came in and killed them all. You know, and you're thinking, God, where are you in this situation? Like, what, what is that all about? And, you know, on a, even on a personal level, I was, I was driving home from, from school a few months ago and, the car two in front of me, a, a car came across from the other side of the dual carriageway and hit this car. And, and the guy who, who came across, he, he died. And I was there when we tried to get his body out. And, and, you know, he's left a family and he's left friends and loved ones. And you're thinking, God, where are you in this situation? You know, when there's relationship breakdown, when, there's, when friends are, like, kind of disowning you for whatever reason... When there's when you know when you're affected by racism, when you're kind of you know a bit like this leper, maybe you're here and you you kind of you feel like you're in a body which you don't actually relate to, you know may, maybe that's your experience at the moment, and and we kind of we we're kneeling down honestly with the leper and thinking, God, where are you? God, are you there? Do you care? You know what's this all about? And I know this first point isn't particularly encouraging, but it does get better. And, and the reality is that, you know, for a lot of us, that's, that's, that's our experience, isn't it? And, you know, and come Monday morning, you know, it's great. It's great that we can come and, come and worship, but, but I believe that what I'm going to talk to you today will hopefully give you some tools to kind of work out what your daily life is. And so we're there with the leper, and we're asking God, is he there? Does he care? And the answer comes. The answer comes. It says, Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now, all the answers that we'll find are in Jesus. They're in the gospel. But it's interest, I find this interesting that before Jesus provides the answer, actually Mark wants us to know something. He wants us to know how Jesus felt. Okay? And, and so it says Jesus was indignant. In your version it might say Jesus was filled with compassion. Actually in a lot of the ancient texts it, it said that Jesus was angry. Now whether you're a Christian here today or not, you probably are thinking... You know, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like what I've heard of Jesus. It doesn't, he doesn't sound like the sort of person who would get angry. You know, someone comes to him and, and he like, just gets really angry with him because, he, because he's asked for healing. Neither does it kind of strike me as someone who, you know, would just get really frustrated and indignant. You know, kind of someone like, someone like this. You know, someone comes along and says to Jesus, Oh, can you heal me? And Jesus is just like, oh, here we go again. You know, I was kind of getting through my latest series of Line of Duty and I'm kind of busy at the moment. But, but actually, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really sort of make sense, which is why 
You know, often in our modern sort of translation, it says he was filled with compassion, which is fine. But it's interesting, isn't it, that it says that he was angry and he was indignant and he was frustrated. And I don't believe that it was about that man. I don't believe that it was, that he was frustrated at that man. But I do think that he was angry at the suffering that he'd had to go through, the sickness that he'd had to go through. I honestly believe that, that Jesus was there and, and, he's, and he's looked at him and he, and he knows everything that this guy's gone through. He knows it all. And, it, and he can, even just the fact that he's got leprosy, Jesus would know, okay, well, that's what this means for this guy. And, and it makes me think that actually Jesus was angry and he was just like, that sucks, doesn't it? That, that he's had to go through that, that he's had to be shunned from society his whole life. Yeah, and you can feel it in when, what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is saying. And my logical conclusion to that is that if that's how Jesus feels about this man with leprosy, then that's what he feels about your situation and what he feels about my situation. Even before he sorts it out, even before he, he actually heals this guy, Mark wants us to know that actually Jesus feels that pain and Jesus feels that suffering. And you know he's gone through it all already himself. You know, we know that, that Jesus has been, you know, tempted like we all have, but was, with, was without sin. You know he was betrayed by his friends. You know his parents didn't understand him. You know, he's gone through all that stuff. But even before, even before it happens, it says he, reached, it says he was indignant. And it reminded me actually of the story in John chapter 11 when Lazarus died. So... Lazarus has died. Mary and Martha, his sisters, have, um, have kind of called on Jesus to come and, come and sort it out, really, to come and raise him from the dead. And, and four days later, because it was a long way away, Jesus walked there. Four days later, they turn up. And unfortunately, I haven't got this text on the screen, but it says that um, Mary comes up to him and basically says, hold on, where, where were you? My, my brother's dead here. Where were you? If you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. It was like, why, why has he died? Do you, do you not care? And, and it says, and, and yeah, Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. Yeah, we know that because we know the end of this part of the story. But before that, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. And later on it says, Jesus once more deeply moved. Jesus felt their pain. He felt the pain of the leper. And he, and he feels yours as well. And he understands what you're going through. And then he heals the leper. Immediately. He stretched out his hand and he touched the man. And in that moment he healed him physically. But also there was this moment of actually... You know, here's, here's a guy with leprosy who wouldn't have, wouldn't have experienced that touch from, from anyone for a long, long time. And, and in that, all the, the social and the emotional and everything would have, would have begun being restored, done, life transformed. Now for the leper, Jesus was the answer. It was obvious. Yeah, he was immediately healed. And, and for some of us, it's going to be similar you know, for some of us, even now, I believe that as, as I'm talking, you can be praying and, and Jesus will immediately change some things. 
You just close your eyes for a minute. We'll just, we might as well just pray for this rather than me just saying it. You just, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you immediately healed the leper. Lord, I thank you that it happened immediately. So many times in scripture we hear of you immediately doing things. I pray that whatever situation we're going through at the moment, be it to do with friendships, relationships, sicknesses, lifelong conditions, Lord, I pray that for some of us, Lord, for all of us, Lord, would you immediately sort it out? Lord, would we know in the next week, in the next day, in the coming hour, that you have immediately sorted it out, Lord. Heal us. Restore things. Amen. And for some of us, it will immediately happen. Yeah, I believe it will immediately happen. It did in the Bible. It does do today as well. But, but for some of us, actually it won't happen immediately. And, and that's okay. Because what we're saying is that Jesus still feels your pain. He still cares. And he still knows what's going on. And, and what I want to tell you today is that Jesus is still the answer as you are going through situations. He's not just the answer, okay, well, okay, I'm, I've got this sickness, I've got this condition, and now I'm healed. Jesus was the answer. Actually, that might be quite a long process. And Jesus is still the answer throughout that. And, and you might be saying, well, okay, how does, that, how does that work out tomorrow when I'm still faced with the same situation? And what I've, what I've tried to do is come up with a, this is by no means extensive, but I've come up with a couple of mini application points, which I hope is helpful, you know, as I, as I sort of go about what I do for work and as I, you know, have contact with friends and family who are going through things. And I ask these questions. I find that this is, this is just helpful for me. I hope it is for you as well. So mini application point number one. Trust God is who he says he is. Now, in, in a church like ours, we might talk about, you know, speaking things over yourself. You know, that basically just means, you know, we're reminding ourselves of scripture. We're reminding ourselves of what it says in the Bible. We're reminding ourselves, even whether that's reading the Bible or singing songs, you know, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. You know, a lot of the things that we've been sung in this morning is truth, isn't it? And whether you're someone who, you know, finds reading your Bible easy or whether you're someone who actually has a really good singing voice, you know, you can still speak these truths over yourself. You can still remind yourselves of the truths of God. I mean, I literally just Googled it. I just Googled it last night, you know, just just to find a few encouraging scriptures for us. You know, it's easy. You don't just have to, you know, get your Bible out and just try and find it. You know, we have this technology, which is amazing, called Google, okay? Right. <laughs> just type in encouraging Bible verses. Okay. Psalm eighty-six, fifteen. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Deuteronomy, do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God, who is among you, is a great and awesome God. The, Isaiah, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. 1 Corinthians 10.13, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord who heals you. 
Deuteronomy 31.6, I will never leave you nor forsake you. These are all truths that we can speak over ourselves, whether it actually, whether you kind of like, you feel it at the time, doesn't matter. You know, what we're, what we're saying is that we need to begin to speak these truths over ourselves. Okay, mini application point number two. We have, have an eternal perspective. Simply put, those things that we're experiencing today, tomorrow, this week, it's not going to last forever. Yeah, it's about, there will be a day where actually that pain, that suffering will be no more. And, and I found this next quote really very challenging, really very helpful. Um, and it's from a person, a guy called PJ Smythe, who some of you will have heard of. He, he's currently leading a church out in America. Um, he spent a, a while out in a, leading a church in South Africa. And to give you some context, um, a few years ago he had cancer of the, of the lymph nodes. And um, I think the way that he would say it is that through a mixture of medicine and miracle, through, um, through actually a lot of prayer and a lot of medical advances and things like that, actually he, he was healed. But this is what he said. And I was, as I listened to this talk, I was, I was very like, encouraged and challenged by this. He said, there he is, he's massive. When I was in the thick of cancer, I remember someone said to me, it would just be so devastating for us all if the Lord doesn't heal you of cancer and you die. And I said, well, if I die, then the Lord will in that moment have healed me of cancer. Amazing. It's not like we're going to get to heaven all cancer-ridden. You know, you're on your bed and you can't walk. No, no. When you walk into heaven, when the Lord takes you, you'll be completely free of all disease. Amazing. And this, so we have here someone who's he's not denying the situation that he's in. He's not denying what his, his current you know, situation is. But he is refusing and he's denying that it have the ultimate say on his life. And, and for those times where we're just like, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't understand how this child is not going to reach his, his 20s. I, don't, I just don't understand it. I don't know how that all works. When you're thinking, okay, I, I seem to have this, this lifelong condition which is, is going to see me through to the end. I don't get it. Actually, we need to remember that it's not going to be forever. You know, this life that we're going through is, is the, just the first page, in a sense. I think it was C.S. Lewis, correct me if I'm wrong. But he said, you know, it's, you know, our life and, you know, when we die, it's not the, I'm going to get this wrong, aren't I? It's not the end of, it's not the beginning of the end, but it's the end of the beginning, something like that. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm looking at you, Grover, like, you know, all of C.S. Lewis's quotes, just like that, okay? He doesn't, apparently, okay? There you go, that's fine. Okay, but, but what, we, what we experience in, in life is, is not going to be for eternity. Okay? So, final one. Mini application point number three. Remember the cross. Okay? When, when I'm there and I'm thinking, hold on, God, are you there? Well, do you know what? Actually, Jesus came and lived among his people. He came and lived amongst us. God, do you, do you care? Well, hold on. I... I look to the cross. The cross shows me that, that Jesus cares. 
Of course he cares. The cross shows us. You know, and so whether, and, and actually I might, I'll just get up this scripture about Jesus. It says, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. And if you're facing that question, you're thinking, well, does, does Jesus care for my friend? Does Jesus care for my family? Does Jesus care for that person who's going through marital difficulties and all that sort of stuff? Well, hold on, we looked at the cross and, and actually, you know, he cared so much that he left his heavenly throne and he came down and he died. Which, which tells me that he, he loves them and he cares for them more than you do and more than I do. He cares them enough for them enough that actually he went to the cross for them. So if you're finding it difficult today to think, okay, well, does God care for this person, that person? Remember the cross. Okay, and then we come to the call. So back to the story. So the lepers come to Jesus. He said to him, you know, do you actually care? Are you willing to heal me? Jesus was indignant. He showed anger at the sickness and compassion for the man. He heals him. Then he does this very strange thing. And it's so strange that when I was going to present this talk to you, I thought I'll just concentrate on those first three verses. Just ignore those other ones because I don't understand them. But then I felt the conviction of our church leader. Um, <laughs> He didn't know that he was doing it, but I felt it anyway. Okay, and I read some commentaries, and actually, for for me, this was the little some. There were some real nuggets of truth in this. Okay, then. Okay, so Jesus sent him away with a strong warning, and said, "Don't tell anyone." Now, this goes back to the law um, that we all know and love in Leviticus. Again, Jesus was fulfilling the law rather than opposing it, but I found it a little bit odd. You know, that he said, don't tell anyone about it. You know, it'd be like if we, said, if we sat here on a, on a Sunday morning and said, Jesus can bring restoration. Jesus can heal you. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have life. But don't tell anyone. Yeah? And, and it, it, struck, it struck me as a little bit of a, a weird thing for, for Jesus to say. And so as I started looking through it now, it kind of comes into the the fact that Jesus didn't want crowds and crowds around him. He didn't want just people who were just interested in the, the miracles and, and just you know, there to think, oh, you know, when, when's the next miracle? When's the next magic trick? And all that sort of stuff. But actually, Jesus came and he, he wanted to preach the kingdom of God was near. And, and what, he was, what he finds and what he finds at the end of this is that, is that he wasn't able to, to stay in that place because he wasn't able to to preach because there were so many people around him. And it, and it comes back, for, so for the man with leprosy, who now doesn't have leprosy, you know, Jesus asked him to do one thing. He said, go and, go and tell the, show the priests and be a testimony to them, and while you're there, don't tell anyone else about what's going on. And, and the guy couldn't do it. He couldn't do that one thing. And even though that thing was strange, and even though that thing he couldn't understand takes me back to a couple of weeks ago when Steve Lee was talking about the Battle of Jericho, which was almost like the dance of Jericho, wasn't it? And, and we couldn't quite understand why God was asking them to do that. Jesus was asking him to do one thing, and, and he couldn't do it. 
Jesus was ready and willing to meet his need, but this man wasn't ready and willing to meet and obey his commands. And my understanding would be that, that this guy sort of didn't become a follower, actually. And for me, I, I get that from the fact that we don't know his name. From the fact that when the blind man gets healed, we know it's Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, because in that in that time they would have been reading those those scriptures and the gospel, and they'd be like, "Oh, it's Bartimaeus. Oh, yeah, we know Bartimaeus. He's here." And and so it makes me think. Maybe I'm just jumping to conclusions, but it makes me think that actually they don't really know this guy. They don't really see him again. And and that's in current world that's challenging, really, isn't it? Because it means that someone can be healed and have an encounter with Jesus. <laughs> but not actually end up following him. Um, so my question to you is what is the one thing that, that God's asking you to do? What is the one thing that he's, he's asking of you this week? What's the one thing that he's asking of you this month? For some of us, it's, it's actually quite similar to the, the man with leprosy. We're, we're very good at just like speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. But actually, maybe Jesus is just saying, well, just hold on a minute. Maybe just listen to your work colleagues a little bit more. Maybe just listen to that person who's going through that friendship difficulty and things like that. Maybe, actually, for, for us, it's, it's the opposite. And we, we need to speak up a little bit more. We need to actually challenge ourselves to speak up a lot more. For others of us, it's, it's actually, are we, can we be praying more for, our, for the people around us? I've started doing this thing when I get into work, which is I get into work before my, my sort of three colleagues in the office, and, and I've started going around their chairs. It sounds ridiculous, and it is. I've started going around their chairs and just praying for their day and being like, Lord, just bless this person. Lord, just bless their day, bless their family. Go to the next person, just say, Lord, just bless their relationship, bless their, their wedding as it comes up. I mean, I've got, I haven't got my eyes closed, to be honest, because I've got one eye to see whether they're on their way. Because there's nothing weirder than that guy who's just in the office just being like, heal their soul, Lord, heal them. So I don't do that. So most of the time I'm just checking out to see whether they're, they're on their way. But, but for me, that's sort of one of my challenges at the moment is to pray for uh, the people that I work with. And, and actually that puts my mindset in a different way for the, for the day as well. And, um, and that's not even my idea. I got that from Phil Moore, to be honest, who leads the church in London. And... And so you'll know what your one thing is. You know, it could be, could be one of those things, could be something else. And just as we near the end, I want to explain, I want to almost go back to the beginning. And I want to say that actually all those, those suffering and sickness and all those things, actually there is, a, there is a sickness greater than all of those things, a physical condition, a condition that affects us all. And that is what we would call Sin. And that is what we would, and and for some of us, you know, a sin, you know, just doing wrong against against God, and and for those of us who call ourselves Christians here today, we would say that we've come to that place with the leper and being like, God, are you there? Do you care? And actually, as we look to the cross, we find it's true. We find that actually, He He does care. He He is there. And you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And as we return to our passage, that's right, we'll just, as we return to our passage, we're presented with this remarkable picture of the gospel. Okay? So we started off with the leper 
outside of the city, outside of the town, outside of society. Jesus, free to roam around and preach. By the end of it, they're in opposite places, aren't they? Jesus is now outside the city. He's not able to go in there. And the, and the leper now isn't the leper. He's now just a man. Okay? And he is able to speak freely and roam around. And, and, it, and it's the gospel, isn't it? It's the gospel. And if you're here today and you know, you, you've never heard the gospel, it is, it's simply this. It's simply the fact that we, we were actually with the leper out here. We were, actually, we were there in all our sin and all our mess and all those things that we've done wrong against God. And, and Jesus was on his heavenly throne. And he is the righteousness of God and he is he's the king of all. He's completely spotless, the spotless lamb. And then somehow this great exchange took place so that we could actually know the fullness of that. We could actually know the fullness of relationship with God. And Jesus, where he took on our sin, he took on our shame, he took on all that suffering. The great thing is actually he dealt with it as well. And he's, and he's free as well. And, and, so, and so for those of you who maybe haven't accepted, haven't maybe you know, stepped over that line of faith, you know, that's, that's what Jesus is saying to you. He's saying, actually, I'm, I'm giving you freedom. I'm giving you a chance to know your heavenly father.